It's Unnecessary Roughness. I always have fun out here. I mean, it's football, man. Obviously, it's a professional game. You got to take it as a job, but you got to have fun out here. This is a game that you grew up playing. This is where you wanted to be, and uh, just got to enjoy the moment, man. That's what I'm trying to do. This is Unnecessary Roughness, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Jimmy G met with the media following practice today. He's talking about having fun. It's a kid's game. You know, you just got to go out there and have fun. Yeah, they're getting paid for it, but the end of the day they grew up playing football and it's all about fun well i know one guy that knows everything about fun that's our next guest ed granny from the rj that's the las vegas review journal and our sister station espn las vegas and he joins us now and he's out there having fun in williamsport pennsylvania for the little league world series how much fun ed are you having out there right now a lot of fun not as much as jimmy g i'm sure out there in la uh with his boys uh but uh yeah uh I was here in 2014 and uh, with Mountain Ridge, and they made the U.S. Championship game, and now here with Henderson. Uh, There's a long way back for those guys to do that, but uh, it's a it's an incredible event, Hugh. It's a really cool place, um, and they do it up right here. These kids are treated like rock stars and celebrities, and uh, it's really it's a really cool atmosphere. Yeah, I have no doubt. I've been watching it ever since it's been on TV. I have it on on the TV right now in the home studio, as a matter of fact. Love the Little League World Series. And, Ed, you've covered a lot of sports, a lot of events and everything. Is this not just the most almost innocent-type fun that you've had covering something in a long time because these kids are just out there playing ball? Yeah, it is. I, I wrote last week, It's you know, that experience in 2014 with Mountain Ridge was probably uh, the Olympics, Super Bowls, NBA Finals, um, everything. Stanley Cup, everything I've been able to cover, that was as cool as anything. Um, watching them go all that way and kind of have a two-week experience with them. And, and the Henderson kids are really cool, too. They, they you know, they want to win. They're out here, you know, uh, trying their best. They kind of got on the short end of their first game yesterday. Now they play on Saturday. But it's just a really cool event to see kids and make it this far from Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is about as cool as it gets. You know, it's funny. You said that they ended up on the wrong end of things. They literally threw a one-hitter and lost 3-1. to one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... They, they had three hits. The other team had one, but they lost. Right. Like, I mean, when does that happen? Now, obviously, a couple yeah. errors and some walks that, that led into that. But, man, you go out there and play a game like that, you expect to win. But that just lets you know how good Rhode Island was. And Connor Curtis, who pitched for Rhode Island, oh. you mentioned it was like Randy Johnson was out there. That kid, man, was... He was impressive, and, and what happens in Little League is they all come and they throw their ace the first game, and that's why over the first day they're only – and you have your U.S. bracket and your international bracket, and there are only 12 runs scored the entire day because wow. everyone just throws their ace, and the kids can really throw at this level if they're the number ones. So that's like the least amount of runs in 10 years, I think, on a first day. Now we'll see when you get into the third and fourth days when their pitch limit is up and you have to go to like your two and three starters. Then you start getting kids hitting, but – there was I I never seen anything like it because I watch it every year. Yesterday, where there were two no hitters, a one hitter, a, a three hitter. Um, kids can really throw now at this level. They all have pitching coaches. Um, they all start young. You know, not that they're not old now. They're twelve, but they all start. You know, at seven, eight, nine years old with their pitching coaches, learning how to throw. And then you get a kid like that who was just dominant. Uh, struck out thirteen of fifteen at one point. Um, just. Drew Hard, um, Lefty, he's, he's really good. He was really impressive. 
Again, Ed Graney is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things about the Little League World Series. And, you know, we had Jessica Mendoza from ESPN on yesterday, and she was actually on the call for the Henderson-Rhode Island game. And one of the questions I asked her was about Shohei Otani and the fact that, you know, we, we're seeing a hell of a season from him in the major leagues. He pitches and he hits, and he's phenomenal at both of them. Do you think you'll start to see more players try to do both because now they're seeing a, an example of what it looks like on the big league stage? You know what? With the DH now, you just wonder. And it's a copycat existence in sports. You know that as well as anyone. You know, whether it's, you know, who wins a championship, you try to copy him the next year. So, you know, I mean, he's a, you know, he might be the best player ever, so he's a hard guy to copy. But right. just the sense that, just the sense that he pitches and hits, and now there's a DH in, 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 in both leagues. Um, yeah, I could see more kids thinking that they could do that. Um, whether they can or not, I'm not so sure, but there'll be more and more kids following him. And, you know, it's funny. Um, one of the Henderson moms was telling me a story about her kid who struck out in a big game in districts or something, and he was all, you know, he was all bummed out about it, and he was just completely crushed. And uh, they went to see an Angel game that night, and, Shohan, and, and uh, Otani struck out twice. And she told him, she goes, look, the best player ever can strike out as well. Um, and then he pitched that night, and I think he pitched like a three-hitter. So, and the kid's <laughs> a pitcher also. So, he, you know, there's a kid who might say, well, I can do both as well. And he's a really good player on the Henderson team, so – We'll see, but I think you make a good point because of Otani and how he's been so successful doing both that you'll see kids try to do it now. You know, I'm glad you brought up the story of, of the kid's mom because this is an opportunity to get to know not only the kid that's out there playing but also the families. And, Ed, you're a hell of a writer, been a hell of a writer for a very long time. What kind of good stories, backstories do you get from the parents of, of their kids that are out there participating? Oh, really good ones. And they want to tell them also. They want to tell them also. They're, you know, I, I've been fortunate with the Mountain Ridge parents and now the Henderson parents. You really have good parents. And, you know, you know, it's not the Little League of 40 years ago where everyone was, you know, kind of just cheering for their kid and everything. You know, you know there's, you can get some parents out here now that are really, really intense and yeah. go after umpires. And, you know, I mean, they forget, <laughs> they forget it's Little League. Right. But I've been really fortunate with the Mountain Ridge and the Henderson parents where they were all just seemed, seemingly really all good parents and, I know the the, uh, the Henderson parents were up the hill where the kids stay yesterday, and the kids came out all down and dejected, and they stood there and gave me a standing ovation or clapping for them. And that's what it should be about. And I've got a story in the paper tomorrow on one of the kids who really came down with a serious, serious illness um, mm. uh, after fighting COVID last year, a very bad intestinal, uh, where he had to miss six months of baseball. And it was really bad. Now he's back, uh, and he's their number one pitcher and their third hitter. Um, he's the coach's son. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you get stories like that. You get stories of like inspiring stories of kids overcoming things. And, you know, you just got to ask around and they'll be more than happy to tell you about them. Yeah, no doubt. That's Nolan Gifford that you're talking about, the coach's son yeah. right there. He pitched a heck of a game yesterday and lost because, well, uh, Connor Curtis just pitched a little bit better. <laughs> right. So yeah, threw, just... I mean, Nolan, <laughs> Nolan threw a no hitter. Right. Nolan, <laughs> Nolan threw a no hitter and he, and he took the L. So that's a tough one. Right, exactly. But yeah, that's that's a heck of a story about that young man. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, you know to reading that and getting a little bit more details, a little bit more backstory behind that. But now, Ed, I mean, look, they've got to win. They play on Saturday. Uh, obviously, they're still waiting to see who they're going to play. But what do you? How do you kind of think that you know Coach Gifford keeps those guys engaged, knowing that they're 12 and 13 year olds that they're trying to keep focused on winning a game on Saturday? Well, you know what? I think the best answer to that is what they did yesterday, which, or excuse me, what they did today was take the day off and let them be with their families and let them be kids. That's cool. And when you have a coach like that who kind of understands, look, they're 12 years old. Um, they've been going for a long time. I think you had to go through district and state and regionals, and they probably haven't seen their families very much. I mean, it's a long way to get here through tournaments just to get in this place. 
so he gave him today off. And I think that that was a really good decision, and that that shows you he knows what he's doing and he knows how to handle the situation. They'll probably come back and hit or practice a little tomorrow before Saturday, but to give them today off after that loss, I thought that was the best decision. And let them be kids. And if you're walking around the complex here, I mean, I've never seen so many 12 year olds in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, they're just they're 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 everywhere. They're they're everywhere. It's inundated with 12 year olds. But you know, they get to watch other games. They, there's a fun zone. Uh, they just hang out. They meet you know they meet all those international kids from other countries, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, they stay in. They stay in barracks where there's no families allowed, no media, and it's just the kids and the coaches, and they really, really bond together. And, and I mean, it's a great experience for them, meeting kids from other countries or other states um, and kind of forging those kind of bonds and relationships. So it's another thing the Little League World Series does really right, to keep those kids together and let them kind of experience the whole thing by themselves. You know, again, the game is coming up on Saturday, 3 p.m. Pacific time, as a matter of fact, uh, when they'll take the field. And right now we don't know who they're going to play. But while you were talking to Coach, Coach said that it doesn't matter who we play. I assure you we'll be much better. What do you expect to see from Henderson come Saturday? I think they I think they got to be better. They're a better team than what we saw the other day. Um, you know, they had a few errors and a walk. and They just didn't. They just didn't look very right. They didn't look like the team I saw in San Bernardino that beat Snow Canyon 10-0 in the regional final. Um, uh, so, you know, they'll have different pitchers. Uh, I think he's at his pitch count. Um, I'm not sure who he'll throw on Saturday, um, but I think they'll play better. I'm about to watch the game. They play the loser of the next game, uh, Great Lakes against Southern California here. And you always want to watch Southern California. They're always a team that can win the whole thing. There's just so many great players in that area. So we'll see what happens tonight. But the Great Lakes team is one from Ohio. Uh, and they play Southern California here in about 50 minutes. So I'm kind of stoked to watch that one and see who uh, see who Henderson gets to play. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It really is. And I've been watching the Little League World Series since it started, man. I, I'm telling you, I cannot get it off my TV. It's been so much fun. It's entertaining. And win or lose, man, just the, ma- the fact that those kids are out there having fun is really all that matters. And, yeah, yeah, and be- before there, we let you go – before we let you go, I did want to ask you just a couple of questions about the Raiders. I know you've been on the beat for the Little League World Series, but Aiden O'Connell went out there on Sunday and did a pretty good job, man. I mean, just from what you've been hearing and, and kind of what you briefly saw from Aiden O'Connell, what do you think about the young man? I thought he was terrific. Um, you and I had been out of practices. Uh, I, You know, we had seen some good days from him and some bad days from him, which we expected given he was a rookie trying to learn that system. But I thought he was absolutely terrific. Uh, you know, as a draft pick, I would think that their their hope is that he is, you know, he, he eventually becomes the number two. Um, I would think that that's kind of their hope, their long-term hope for him. Um, but, yeah, he was really, really good. And uh, I just thought, you know, I mean, I'm, he, he makes you want to see him play in the next game also, right? I mean, yeah. you want to see if he can continue it on or was that a one-off or does he still play like that and he, can he still compete like that? So, yeah, I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, me too. It's funny you said want to see some more because that's what I've been saying. Like, you know, I just want to see more. I want to see more. Put him out there. Just what does he have? You know, not saying that yep. he's going to end up being a franchise guy, but I just want to I just want to see what he's got, what this kid could bring to the table. And, you know, oh, Ed, yeah. we'll, we'll close out with this. I started the show talking about standards and culture change, and the Raiders didn't have a very good practice yesterday. And all the players, Max Crosby, Roderick Teamer, uh, you know, other guys like that, they, they said that, hey, it wasn't a great practice, right? Uh, uh, DeAndre Carter, they said it wasn't a great practice, and, and that's on them. You've been around a lot of programs, college, pro, whatever the case may be. How do you kind of know when the standard and the culture is starting to change? Because every coach wants a great culture, but every coach can't create a good culture. Uh, you know, I've been reading Vinny's stories the last few days, and I, I just read the one that's going in tomorrow's paper, and I think you understand the culture's changing when you come back with a good practice after a bad one. 
which, you know, reading Vinny's stories, they did today. Um, and that, that to me says the culture is different, that they, they don't let it fester. They don't let it sit there. They don't follow one bad practice with another. They're able to turn it around the next day. I read Crosby's comments yesterday, um, his fracas. You know, he wanted to get into things and kind of fire them up. Um, I think they have a great leader in him. But if they had the practice today that Vinny wrote about, and I'm sure they did, that to me shows a sign of growth and maturity and culture. You know, I mean, you just you don't want things to go bad after bad. You want things to come back and be good, and apparently they did that today. Yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. We talked to uh, Vinny a little while ago, and he said it was much better, much crisper, much more energy than what they had, uh, you know, a day ago. And so yeah. I do think that that is something to build on. That doesn't guarantee you're going to win games, right? But it's 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 a good step, I think, in the right direction. Oh, yeah. You know. So Ed, what are you working on, man? What are you going to be writing about that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, the Nolan Gifford story tomorrow, and then we have a actually we have a, it's a pretty cool story. We have a. Um, an umpire out here. He's been 35 years in Vegas, 20 years as an umpire, and he got the call to the show. So that's actually kind of cool. I mean, there's so many umpires, and this is their show also. I mean, this is kind of their ultimate game, if you're a Little League umpire, to be you know selected as one of 16 here. So we'll have something about him in the paper, and then uh, we'll wait for Henderson to play on Saturday. Well, no pressure, Ed. I told you before when you went on the on the trip, no pressure. Just bring back a championship. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's going to be harder now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No. Hey, well, at the end of the day, Ed, just have fun, man. You're doing a great job, and we definitely appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right, man, there he goes, Ed Grady from the RJ and, of course, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. You can hear him on the press box 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Tyler Bischoff. So good stuff right there from Ed. Definitely appreciate him. And you can tell that these guys are just having so much fun when it comes to the Little League World Series. But I love what he said about also the standard and the culture, right? If you if you have a bad practice, don't make it two, right? And I've, I've always been told by coach after coach after coach, right? You can't allow one bad game to beat you twice. Like if you get beat, and this was high school football coaches, so I'll just be 100% transparent, you know, especially I, I can always remember my, my, uh, one of my favorite high school football coaches that I used to cover, Scott Stewart in Temple. Matter of fact, that's the, that's the school that, that Quentin Johnston, who is now the first-round draft pick for the Chargers, uh, who he coached them up. And he used to always say after a bad loss, he was like, yeah, Q, the biggest thing is not allowing that loss on Friday night to beat us next Friday night. Right, that's got to be the biggest thing. So that's kind of what Ed is saying. Don't allow one bad practice to turn into two bad practices, which turns into four bad practices, which turns into eight bad practices, and so on and so forth. Like you can't do that. You've got to be able to clear it. You've got to be able to just get back to the grind and say, okay, hey, that's that's behind us. We ain't gonna do that again, right? And if you do do it again, they clean it up again, right? I mean, you've, but you've got to be able to recognize it. I think that's the biggest deal is being able to recognize it. If you think that it was good and it wasn't, <laughs> that's where the problems lie. That's when the, the problems really kick in is when you think that that was, oh, yeah, that's up to the standard, if not better, and it's really not from everyone else on the outside looking in. They're like, yeah, not so much. That wasn't very good. That's where you really start to get in trouble. So uh, I think that Ed brought up a great point there, and uh, he was already talking about the piece that Vinny was putting out on the RJ, so definitely want to make sure to check that out. But we want to hear from you, 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, uh, the Raiders listener line as well, 702-365-9200. Are you starting to believe in the standard being different? Are you starting to feel like the culture is shifting, the culture is starting to change? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? How are you feeling about that? Like I said, let us know, 69187, keyword R&R, and 702-365-9200. We got, we got a text from Raider James. He's out to 415. He says, hey, Q, Raider James here. Whiskey Ray is 100% correct. John Madden learned from Vince Lombardi from the Green Bay Packers. You got to start to you got to start or restart somewhere. Why not learn from a winning program? And that's going back to Sir Whiskey Ray's text in the first hour that we had when he was talking about 
Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler coming over from the, the New England Patriots, and they have a, a culture of winning. They've created a culture of winning. And, look, the pressure's on them to make sure that that culture of winning continues, right, because they've all of a sudden hit the struggle bus uh, quite a bit, and now there's a lot of eyes and ears and everybody paying attention to what's going on there. And so they've got to keep that thing going. But, you know, that, that, that's them coming from a, a winning culture can't, can't be a bad thing, right? I just don't think that you can have winners around a program and that be a bad thing. They've got to be able to help install it, but you also have to have the players that want to be winners, the players that have winning in them. Like, there's certain people that are just winners. And, and, and what I mean by that, when Russell Wilson was coming out of school at NC State when he was drafted, I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft. And the reason I thought that is because he was just a natural winner. And, and to the point where the Texas Rangers drafted him in Major League Baseball. Right, because they wanted to bring that coach. They knew he wasn't going to play baseball. They knew he was going to be a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, but they drafted him anyway because they, they wanted that winning-type culture, that winning-type guy, the characteristic of a winner. They wanted him. There's certain guys that are just winners. Like Kobe Bryant with the Lakers was just a winner. Right? He, was, he wasn't going to stop until he won. Right? And even, even into the point where he had to kick Dwight Howard down the road. And Dwight Howard recently has come out and said, if I just listened to Kobe – I would, have been, I would have been all right, but I didn't listen to it because he's not a winner. Dwight Howard's not a winner. And I, I don't say that disrespectfully. I just mean it. certain people aren't winners. Like James Harden right now, he's not a winner. He's a good player. He got stats, but he's not a winner. There's certain, there's certain people that have winning traits in them. They're, that's just who they are, natural leaders and natural winners. You could always tell the ones that separate themselves, right? I mean, it's just, that's, that's just what it is. So uh, that's, that's a really good, uh, really good point. Raider James, thank you for that. I do appreciate you. Got a text from the 209. I'll tell you what, Q, been a fan for 20-plus years, and this is the first time in a while that we hear our captains calling people out indirectly, but the fact that it's happening and holding people to a certain standard fires me up for this year and the years to come. Next season will be better than this season moving forward. That's from the 209, and, you know, people being called out, I think that that's okay. Like he said, indirectly, that's fine. As long as – the guys in that locker room know that if you're not doing your job, someone's paying attention. Someone's focused in on what you're doing. Okay, is this guy not doing the, what he's supposed to do? Is he cheating the, the, the drills? Is he not going hard in practice? Is he not you know, trying, to, trying to compete at the highest level? Is he just you know, trying to get through it? That's, that's, that's things that you can't have. You've got to get rid of the guys that are just trying to get through it, just trying to get by, just trying to get by, just looking at the clock, ready to go home. Like Those are the guys that – you have to get rid of. Those are the culture killers. Those are the ones that suck the life out of you, right? The, the ones that just don't bring that spirit, don't bring that energy. Max Crosby's got it. He wants it. Devontae's got it. He wants it. Josh Jacobs, he got it. He wants it, right? Raiders just got to get him back in, in, in camp. But I feel like, you know, sooner rather than later, that's going to happen. Certain guys have it. Other guys, other guys want it. They just can't, they can't figure out how to get it. They, it just ain't in them. Right, So the Raiders, their job is to get as many of those guys in the locker room and on that team, and when the 53-man uh, cutdown comes up, when they got to get that roster down, which is coming up on August 29th, you're looking at the calendar right now, it's the 17th. In 12 days, <laughs> 12 days from today, we're going to be talking about, on this very show, we're going to talk, be talking about a completely different team because that cornerback room is not going to have 11 guys. The wide receiver room is not going to have 11 guys. The defensive line is not going to have nine guys, ten guys, whatever the number is. Offensive line, same thing, right? I mean, that's just, it's just what it is. It's going to look a lot different. So the job of Dave Ziegler and the front office and Coach McDaniels and Pat Graham 
is to find the guys that fit with what they're trying to do and the guys that give them the best chance to win and, oh, by the way, get as many leaders that have that winning traits, those winning characteristics that burn in their belly to be great, that's the ones that you're looking for. The guys that hate to lose more than they like to win. And that's a thing. That's a real thing. Think about this. There are guys out there that hate to lose more than they enjoy winning. That's how much it kills them to lose, right? It burns them up to the point where they, it's always bothering them. You've got to have guys like that. That's Max Crosby. He hates to lose. Devontae Adams hates to lose. Josh Jacobs talked about it last year in the locker room. Hates to lose. He came from Bama. You know what they do at Bama? They win, <laughs> right? Guys that hate – those are the guys you're looking for, the guys that hate losing more than they even enjoy winning. Tom Brady was like that. I promise you. They talk about Tom Brady all the time. He hated losing. That, that loss resonated more with him than that win. And I know some people will say, no, that's the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. Believe me, a bad show rides with me a lot longer than a great show does. A great show is like, yeah, that was awesome. Cool. All right, now what's next? A bad show is like, man, that sucked. What in the hell was wrong with me? Ari, what can we do better tomorrow? Ari, what is wrong? Like, that'll be a long conversation. The bad rides longer than the good. Those are the kind of guys that you want. You want to have as many of those. You can't, everybody can't be that guy, right? <laughs> like I told my cousin who was in town watching the 49ers with, with, with my aunt on Sunday. He's a 49er fan. I told Donald Penn, I said, someone's got to root for the other guys, <laughs> right? Someone's got to pull for the other guys. I mean, you know, can't all be Raider fans, right? Somebody's got to gotta wear those uh, other jerseys. Of course, that's me just getting a bad time. But still, I mean, it's just that's, that's what it is. So let us know. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. We'd love to hear from you. Want to know about the culture. Do you believe the culture is starting to shift. Do you believe the standard is starting to raise when it comes to the silver and black? Before we take a quick break, and we are going to take a quick break. Before we do that, we want to get you hooked up. We want to, we want to make you a winner because, again, we're talking about winning. So why not? You know how great this show is? And I'm just going to brag. We already had a winner in the Lotus Summer Fun, right? We had a winner come from this show. So I'm just going to brag because we can. <laughs> It ain't got nothing to do with my show at all. It ain't got nothing to do with Ari's show. It just has to do with we got lucky and it happened to be on this show. But since it did, we're going to ride with it. Right? We're going to take it. It's like winning the lottery, man. You got to act like there was some kind of skill there. But make your own luck. Exactly. We, we will did. take it. That's <laughs> right. We will take it. I'll tell you, that's a, that's a small victory, and I'm okay with it. But no, really, let's get you hooked up, man. 702-365-9200. Let's look for call number nine. Going to get you qualified. Going to get you in to win those four tickets to the Aviators game. And that gets you one step closer to the Lotus Summer Fun, the final week. I think the final winner should come from this show. Five-day Caribbean cruise from Miami, including Airford in Miami, or you could do like a lot of others have and take the $3,000 cash straight up. Take the trip. Take the cash. It's being brought to you by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, G-O-E-T-T-L. They'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. 702-365-9200. Call number nine here on Radio Nation Radio 920. <laughs> You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got a text from Banker J. Don't be broke.com text line 69187 keyword RR. I feel like the defense has stepped up and I like the feeling it's bringing. Definitely new and welcomed. 
Only thing I haven't seen change is the red zone issues. Per reports today, we didn't do well in the red zone. That's a key piece that needs to change as well. And that's from Banker Jay. And I agree with you. Not that, you know, about the red zone from, like, struggles today, but just in general. Right? I mean, in general, the red zone has to be a lot better. And what's encouraging for me when it comes to the red zone is the guy that's pulling the trigger is really good at getting the ball into the end zone. That's Jimmy G. Another guy that's really good at scoring in the red zone is Devontae Adams. Another guy who's really good at scoring in the red zone is Hunter Renfro. Another guy that's good at scoring in the red zone is Michael Mayer. Obviously, he did it in college as he's a rookie, but you see where I'm going with this. I feel like this year they have guys in place that can be more productive in the red zone, but you're spot on. You're absolutely right. Daniel Carlson, we all love to see him go out there. There's no doubt. I feel great. Every time he goes out there that got about a 99% chance he's going to hit that field goal, right? I feel very good that he's going to hit that field goal. But we just don't want to see him. And when I say we, I mean we as fans, we as the, the media even, covering the silver and black, we don't want to see. We don't want to see him kicking field goal after field goal after field goal because field goals aren't going to beat the Chiefs. Field goals aren't going to beat the Chargers. Field goals might beat the Broncos. But they ain't going to beat the Chargers and, and the Chiefs. That's the thing about a team like Kansas City. You can start off strong. You can hold them, get them off the field, three and out, three and out. But if you go down and, and kick a field goal, and you go down and kick a field goal again, guess what? They're one Patrick Mahomes sneeze away from leading the game. Right? I mean, And that's how it happens. One play, boom, back in the game. That week five game last year, that Monday night football game in Kansas City, I felt like the game was over the minute they kicked that field goal, not the Raiders, but Kansas City right before halftime. Because they're the one team that doesn't need to be spotted extra points or, or, or extra opportunities to score. So, yeah, field goals are nice to extend a lead if you have a big lead. It's nice if you, you know, you're not close to the red zone and you just need to cash in. But if you get to the red zone, man, you've got to hit, you've got to hit for six and then seven with the extra point. You can't settle for field goals. That's not going to beat anybody. I say it all the time. Field goals don't win games, right? Field goals will help you extend your lead, <laughs> but they're not going to consistently win you games. You don't want to make a habit of that. And what was it, two years ago, the year the Raiders went to the playoffs, what was Daniel Carlson, like, led the league in field goals within the, within, in, inside the red zone? Like, that can't happen. You're not going to win a lot of games in the loaded AFC in general. You got a lot of teams in the AFC in the conference that could score. You're looking at the Bills. You're looking at the Jets. You're looking at Miami. I believe you're looking at Baltimore. You could be looking at Cleveland. You're sure looking at Cincinnati, Kansas City, <laughs> the Chargers, right? Maybe Denver, not this year probably, but, you know, I mean, just, just think about it. All those teams have really good quarterbacks, and they have a potential to score a lot of points. So field goals, you're going to have to eliminate – some of those field goals and cash in with touchdowns more often than not. And still, with that being said, there's a lot of times that the Raiders still put up a lot of points. <laughs> right? They just they just got to do it more consistently. So that's that's a that's a big deal. And I think we'll learn a lot about the red zone. Unfortunately, we'll we won't really learn a lot about the red zone until the actual games matter, because they're not getting creative in the red zone in joint practice. They're not rolling out some exotic plays. They sure as hell ain't going to roll out some exotic plays in preseason. And, oh, by the way, the starters aren't playing anyway. So we, unfortunately, that's the one area of the field that it's really hard for us to say, oh, man, the red zone offense is looking a lot better. 
The only thing I know about the red zone offense for the Raiders is that there's a guy, there's a couple of guys in the backfield that are going to be active as well. Josh Jacobs, when he, when he signs his franchise tag and he returns, Zamir White, right? Those guys, we know that they're going to be able to pound the ball in there. That offensive line, we know, is, a, is really good at run blocking. We saw that last year with Josh Jacobs. So just as far as the run game goes, I feel like they'll do really well in the red zone. You know, how many touchdowns did Jacobs have last year? 12? Like, he's a guy that knows how to get into the end zone from the red zone or from further out. It doesn't really matter. Josh Jacobs has a nose for the end zone. But you want to be able to throw that ball in the end zone. You want to be able to throw it to Devontae. You want to be able to throw it to Jacoby Myers. That's another guy that I think is going to be a factor in the red zone. He's got some size. Jimmy's just got to be able to hit him. And the tight end, really think the tight end. And I don't know why, and maybe someone could tell me, because I honestly don't know the answer to this. I don't know why when Darren Waller was out there, he wasn't used more and more effective as a big dude in the red zone. Even going back to that playoff game against Cincinnati, remember when the Raiders decided to, to, to clock it and lose it down? They could have easily snapped it and just faded it to Darren Waller. He's the biggest dude out there on the field. Give him a shot, right? And then at least you have two, two snaps. Instead, they threw the ball short. All right, you can't, you can't do that. It's my opinion, my opinion. I get it. Coaches know what they're doing more than I do. But my opinion, you got to throw that rock into the end zone. Just my thoughts. But good, good text, man. Great text. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, how about this one from Glenn in San Jose? What up, Q? The fact that we know more of the veterans have a coach-like mentality on the field with the younger players and rookies shows a definite change in the culture. And when he's talking about some of those players, he's talking about Marcus Peters. He's talking about Max Crosby. He's talking about Chandler Jones. A little disappointing that Chandler Jones still hasn't been to practice. Didn't see him last Friday. Didn't see him at all on Sunday. Didn't make the trip probably to L.A. at all. So I wonder what he's dealing with. wonder why he's not out at practice. Of course, the Raiders aren't going to just go ahead and give us all the details when it comes to all the injuries. They don't have to. They don't have to do that till game week. And I mean the regular season when the injury report comes out. So we don't really know right now. But I'd like to see Chandler Jones out there, especially if Tyree Wilson is going to start getting into the mix. I'd like to see Tyree being able to pick the brain of Chandler and Max. I think that that's a, that, that's a big thing moving forward. But Marcus Epps, I've said it so many times, that that dude is just, to me, He's a guy that nobody's talking about, and he's going to be a difference maker. Hell, Robert Spillane could be that guy too. I know I love his mentality. <laughs> we'll see how he plays, but I love his mentality. Just the way that he talks about the game, the way that you could tell he loves the game of football, that goes a long way with me. I, I like guys like that. There's one thing on his mind at all times as far as I'm concerned, that's football. Just the way he talks, I'm like, yeah, that's that, that's that guy. <laughs> that guy, he enjoys him. Some uh, some football. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. You can keep those texts coming. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Of course, the don't be broke doc, or that is the don't be broke com text line. Excuse me. And then seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. I wanted to go back real quick for anyone who just may have uh, just checked into the show today, and we do appreciate your time. If you give us three minutes or you give us three hours, it doesn't matter. We appreciate it. We're talking about standards. Them being raised. Max Crosby. Really looks like he's leading the charge and raising the standard and the culture of the silver and black. This is not a coach's thing. This is a team thing. And if you needed further evidence, head coach Josh McDaniels talked about it this morning, how the players are setting the standard. Yeah, I mean, again, it's their standard. It doesn't matter what we talk about in the meeting room or what I want it to be. At the end of the day, we're trying to hold a standard, but at the end of the day, they are the ones that they are going to own it on the field. And... Uh, I think we have great leadership. They've done a fantastic job of 
trying to get everybody to play up to that standard, and uh, we'll see if we can meet it today. So there you go. That's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the standard, not from the coaches, but the standard from the players, the Crosbys, the Devontes, the Epps, the Peters, those kind of guys. They're setting the standard. That is encouraging to me. 702-365-9200. What does Glenn from Denver think? Glenn, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's going on, Q? How are you, man? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Right on. You know, as Raider fans, you know, we're all kind of seasoned to see like two games into the year and everybody's like, well, there's always next year. <laughs> Just that constant beating that we're used to. I think and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think this year has got a completely different vibe. I've heard you talk about it before, to where McDaniels has put together a team that is his own. Last year, he adopted somebody else's garbage. So once you start weeding through all that stuff, you got Max kind of leading the charge as far as putting together just a culture of about just put up or shut up this year. You've got all these guys that are guys, you've got the tight end, you've got the wide receivers, you've got a quarterback that can close a deal in the red. I I don't know, very cautiously optimistic and kind of excited about seeing what this season holds, man. Yeah, I'm with you. Glenn, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. Cut out a couple times, but I, I got the gist of what you're trying to say. And, yeah, uh, this is Coach McDaniel's team. It's something that we talked about before on the show that, look, he brought these guys in. Everyone questioned, why is he bringing in all these guys? He's got to have his guys, this, that, and the other. Well, this is the guys that he feels comfortable with. These are the guys that Dave Ziegler feels comfortable with. I feel comfortable with the fact that they brought in a lot of competition. I'm, re- I'm real comfortable and happy about that because that means the best guys are going to be out there participating. Now, we know that, you know, if you're a high draft pick, if you're a high price free agent, of course, you got your spot. You don't have to worry about that. But the, the fact that there's so much competition on, on this team right now, they're at 90. They got to get to 53 by the 29th. I, I think that that's a good thing because that means that these guys are going to go and get after it each and every, every practice because they can't afford to take a practice off. You take a practice off in the cornerback room, you might not have another opportunity. They might all of a sudden say, yeah, you know what, let's move on from that guy and bring in someone else real quick because we got 10 days to figure out what this guy's got, right? I mean, you just, you just don't know. This is a time where you can't, you can't, uh, you can't be like, like chill. You, know, you can't just kind of ease into things. you got to go. It's, it's absolute go time. So, uh, Glenn, thanks for that call. I do appreciate you. And, and like I said, culture, standards, everything being raised and shifted, that's, that's fantastic. I don't want anyone to get it twisted and make it think that I'm saying that they're going to go win 10 or 11 games because of that. But it helps. I think that that helps with what the goal is, the common goal for everybody in that locker room. Everyone wants to win. Winning is fun. I don't care what you're winning at. If you're playing paper or table tennis, table football, whatever the game is, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, You know, thumb wrestling, all that stuff. It don't matter. Winning is fun. So that's what everyone wants to do. They want to have fun. Devontae talked about that last year. When they were losing, what did he say in the locker room? I was standing right next to him. We're not having fun. This isn't fun. The, the reward with all, all the work we put in throughout the week, the reward is playing in the game on Sunday or Monday or Thursday and having fun. We're not having fun. You know why? Because they were losing. So how do you do that? You got to go out and win. But you also have to have, you know, the right people in place to go move forward with. 
and that's a higher standard and a culture shift from what it was. Speaking of culture shift and standards, Vinny Bonsignor joined us, well, today as well, but he joined us yesterday, and this is what really got everything rolling, and he brought up the fact that the Raiders didn't have a very good practice, but there was something going on with the team that he felt there was a standard being set. Check it out. It feels like they're trying to build or maybe even building a little bit of a standard for themselves, and today they fell short of that, and you could visibly uh, see it. It wasn't awful. I'm not sitting here and saying it was an awful practice. It just wasn't up to snuff compared to what they've been putting out there all the way through training camp. And I think what's also encouraging about it is you didn't have to tell the Raiders about that. It's not like when we talked to Max Strasby or Roger Teamer or, or DeAndre Carter afterwards, we had to pry it out of them. They were literally saying, today wasn't a good day for us, and that was unacceptable. We need to do better tomorrow. You know, and, and uh, there's a standard around here. We didn't, we didn't meet it, and uh, we don't feel good about it. That's their own words without us really prying at all which tells me that there is a standard that's being set. And for them to, to own it, you know, without even really being asked about it, I think it's a positive sign in the whole scheme of things. So there you go. That was Vinny Bonsignor from yesterday when he joined us here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. And, again, that really got the ball rolling, right? I mean, after my radio show last night, I, I sat there and I listened to what Vinny had to say again. I, I thought about what Max had to say, listen to some of the pressers that were going on and hearing the tone and watching the body language of what these players were doing. And it really got me rolling on this subject and why it's so important. And going back and thinking what the motto of the silver and black is, commitment to excellence, pride and poise, right? What's one of the first things I said about Aiden O'Connell on Monday? Man, he showed poise in the pocket, right? I mean, again, it all ties together. Every player that Dave Ziegler brought in on this team is not, you know, a, a, a guy about to walk into Canton, Ohio. They're not all guys that are prize free agents or the number one draft pick that we were all talking about. It's not Bryce Young. It's not C.J. Stroud. It's not Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, whoever it was. No, Aiden O'Connell. Like, 1% of us may have known who he was when he was drafted. 1% of us might have thought he was going to be good. And the jury's still out. We don't know. But I'll tell you what, more than 1% of us was pretty excited about what we saw on Sunday, right? And what he did, you heard Brian Baldinger. Brian Baldinger was talking about Aiden O'Connell and how he stood tall in the pocket. And even when adversity hit, when he tripped over his guard, kept his feet, delivered a ball. We're going to have Ted Wynn on the show tomorrow. He does great film breakdown. He's going to talk about Aiden O'Connell. Oh, we already put together a show for tomorrow too, Raider Nation. You want to talk about some pride. We got pride in what the hell we're doing around here. We're excited. We're fired up. And I, I can see, I can feel, I can look at the text line and, and tell how much Raider Nation is getting fired up from a, from a month ago. A month ago, I was like, man, I don't know. I ain't even going to watch on Sundays. I'm going to go do the chores that my wife wants me to do. I'm going to do this, that. I'm going to get another job. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to save money on DirecTV or whatever the, the Sunday ticket is on YouTube now. I ain't going to do all that. Now it's like, okay, hold on. Hold on. There might be something there. Hold on. I don't want to get too excited, but they might have something there. So you can feel the slow build coming. You can feel it. If you can't feel it, I, look, I don't know what's going on. I can feel the slow build. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not putting, putting together a, 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 you know, a, a banner or anything. I'm not raising a banner. I'm not putting down a parade to go down the strip and celebrate. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just, I'm just feeling things feeling different than what they were. Last year, I was the number one cheerleader for what the team was going to be. 
Because I just knew, hey, man, 10, 11 te- win team, no doubt about it. But even that felt different than what this feels like right now. And if it's about building something where it's going to be sustainable and all of a sudden there's going to be a certain, like I said, standard, that S word, the S word that we can say on the radio, if it's about a certain standard that everyone that walks through those doors has to live up to, I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. 344 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back here from head coach Joshua Daniels. He met with the media earlier today. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man Ari is making it do what it do live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. Of course, this is all being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Coming up at the top of the hour, Tyler Dragon from USA Today. He was in attendance on Wednesday for Raiders and Rams joint practice number one. Today he was at the Saints and the Chargers joint practice. But we'll talk about what he saw day one. We'll talk about the NFL in general. All that coming up at the top of the hour with Tyler Dragon from USA Today Sports. But right now on the phone lines, it's going out there. Got a couple callers we'd like to get to. Raider Dave in Denver, you're up first. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man, I love it. You call that thing Studio Q. Now, when uh, Garoppolo <laughs> finally gets in there to you interview him, then it becomes Studio GQ. You got me? <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this whole Denver thing is like picking at an old scab that it seems like it's not going to bleed, and then all of a sudden it does. And I don't know what they're going to do around here, but the, the standard for success to me is when was the last time the Raiders went 1-0? And that's exactly what they need to do this year. They need to go one and know. This will be like a playoff atmosphere game, and it has to happen. And you're talking about a team out here in Denver that, you know, sat there on Roger Goodell's uh, in his office playing with the Magic 8 ball on his desk until they got the answer they wanted. Hey, if they really want this team, let's bring it. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Raider Dave, great call. And, yeah, that's the thing, man. And the Raiders should be fired up about that. Denver wanted the Raiders week one. Sean Payton wanted the Raiders week one. You know why he wanted them? Because the Raiders have dominated the Broncos, and he's trying to exactly what this whole show's been about. He's trying to change the damn culture, right? He wants to change the culture. So what's the best way to change the culture? Beat the team that's been beating the brakes off of you. Prepare yourself to beat that team at your house. Right? Hey, let's get let's get the Raiders week one. Let's get them at home. Let's show these guys that we could beat them and we could build off of that. He's doing everything to try to change the culture. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm not there. I'm not watching practice. I think that they've got a long ways to go. I don't even know if their quarterback is the guy that's capable of doing it. But at this stage of the game, coming out of college, different story. But right now, I don't know if he's that guy. I just don't. We'll see sooner rather than later. And Sean Payton's got the he's got the contract. He's got the money. He's also got the stones to make a decision like, hey, this ain't going to work. We got to move on. Sometimes you got to cut bait. If you, can't, if you can't change the people around you, sometimes you got to change the people around you. Gangster, gangster, gangster Raider, you up next. What's on your mind, brother? Well, we got to give them what they asked for. They wanted us out the gate, so let's give them the Raiders out the gate. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I'm not talking about just starting 1-0. I'm talking about starting 3-0. and because I believe if we don't beat the Denver Broncos in Denver to open the season, then it's a damn shame. You know what I'm saying? And also, I believe we're going to beat Buffalo, too, because Buffalo's defense is in um, shambles. Well, it's not as strong as it was before. I wouldn't say it's in shambles, right. but it's not as strong as it was before. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of people sleeping on us, they're going to think they got an easy home opener, and we can come in and smack them in the mouth 
start off 2-0, and and then we open up in Vegas, the home of the Super Bowl this year. We opened up against um, – I ain't going to say my nickname for them because it's radio, but, you know, Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know what I mean? We yeah. opened up against them, and I see us starting 3-0 and because not because we so good or whatever, but because I think the people going to underestimate us, they're going to sleep on us, and we're going to sneak up on them with a big old bat in our hand and knock them in their head, you know what I mean? And also, as far as um, these joint practices, I'm impressed with the way they're trying to keep the standard because – like you said, they knew they didn't have a good day of practice yesterday, and they stepped up to the plate and had a better practice today. And I commend Max because he didn't let it happen. You know what I mean? And also, yeah. like passionate Raiders say, I think um, Max Crosby is tired of hearing about the defense. The Raiders this, and they're blaming everything on the defense when a lot of the games we won last year was because of the defense. A lot of people forget that. But, you know, Derek Carr put the team in a lot of precarious situations, and the defense bailed them out. And a lot of people forget about that, but they want to blame the the um, debacle of the season all on the defense. And I know Max was tired of that. You know what I'm saying? But also in regards to what, uh, everything else you were saying, I believe that the secondary is going to be a strength instead of a weakness for us this year. The, the secondary and our D-line is going to be the strength of the defense. Mark my words. You know what I'm saying? I like it. I like it. Gangster Raider, thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. And, you know, I think getting Buffalo week two is a good thing. Buffalo is a team that a lot of people expect to be really good. I have questions about Buffalo. I do. I want to see Josh Allen not turn the ball over as much as he did last year. I want to see somebody besides Josh Allen be the leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills. They're not a very physical team. Even though they play in Buffalo, you would think that they're a very physical team. They got those traits. They're not really that. They've got a little trouble in paradise with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and uh, the head coach and the O.C., there's a little issues that they still need to work out. I think that the Raiders are really finding them at a, a good time. Of course, the game's on the road. It's not, it doesn't guarantee anything, but I think if, if like Gangster Raiders said, if there's going to be a time when the Raiders are going to jump up and maybe catch somebody, it could be early in the season like that. I don't think that that's a problem. Plus, by the way, if it was a late game in the season, then it'd be cold. <laughs> it'd be snowy. It'd, it'd be terrible out there. You don't want the elements to have to play a factor, right? So I, I think that them going week two to Buffalo, even though that's too – uh, road games to start the season, that's not ideal. But it's better than, like I said, it's closing out the season in Buffalo when it's raining, or not raining, but snowing, and the weather's terrible, and you just, you know, and Buffalo's already in their groove, right? I mean, you, you just, you don't know what to expect in the first four weeks of the season as far as I'm concerned. You never know what you're going to see from each team as far as I'm concerned. So, Gangster Raider, thanks for the call. Uh, Raider Dave Endeavor, thanks for the call as well. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got a text from... Uh, the 279, that's Raider Steven, beautiful Reno. He said, when's the ESPN gig? Congratulations, too. Anyway, I think Max is taking it even further with the culture change. He appears to be bringing back the nastiness of the past Raider defenses. He's starting fights and not apologizing for it. He's embracing it. When's the last time we had a defensive player making others mad? Stafford talking about sacked when Max was five yards away, bringing a smile to my face. He's doubling down on the culture change. I think we all might be a bit surprised by this team, at least hoping for that. You guys are nothing but awesomeness. That's Raider Steve from beautiful Reno. Thanks so much for the text. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, man, the uh, ESPN gig is coming up probably at the early – a couple first couple of weeks in September, I'm excited about that. But uh, definitely excited about this team and excited about what it looks like that they're doing, which is, again, raising the standard and changing the culture. Tyler Dragons up next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.